listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Take your Bible and open up with me to Romans chapter 12. We're in a series called Forward for Eternity. And as our church is in the process of transitioning into a new home, this series is all about getting on the same page as God's will. We are seeking to grow in our understanding of generosity, of sacrifice. And as we grow, we we fully expect to expand our reach, to increase our impact in this community and around the globe. So to think big about eternity, to look forward to what God has for us, we need to understand who we are, who you are individually, who you are as a body of Christ, the church. And if you're a member here, or even if you just received a welcome package and you looked at the first thing on the card when you opened up that box, you will see the mission of our church. It's, 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 it's repeated all the time. I'll put it up on the screen for you. The mission of our church is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's why we exist here. And to accomplish this, we as a church, I'll give you a little inside information as the, as the leaders of the church, we strategically, strategically, strategically look at this through three different areas. We want to accomplish this by equipping you to worship Christ, to walk with Christ, and to work through Christ. Worship, walk, work, the three W's. That's our insider language. And so this this kind of determines what we plan, what we schedule, what we're trying to accomplish as a church all goes back to these three crucial aspects of your spiritual life. And you really can't just have one of these three. You can't even have two of these three. If even if you just have two of these three, you're missing the fullness of what God has for you. And it's just not going to cut it. So the first two messages of this series, I preached from verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12. And it was a part two, a two-part message called True Spiritual Worship. And maybe you can see why I did that there from uh, the very first point, worshiping Christ. There's no better place to start a series on our church's mission, our DNA, than to start here. What does that mean biblically? What does that look like? And if you were here for either one of those two messages, hopefully you remember, you can boil it all down to one core truth. What is the main word that sums all of that up, that worship for Christ? It's to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Yes, exactly. Uh, Now, Mixed in with verse 2, we already covered some of the walking in Christ component. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And in the verses ahead, we're going to get a lot lot more on walking with Christ. But today, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8. And the emphasis of these verses is on working through Christ. And specifically using your gifts, the gifts of grace that God has given you through the power of the Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ and to shine light into darkness. Now, I hope that when you just hear this, 
this gets your blood pumping a little bit faster, right? Like here, here I have an opportunity to build up in love, to shine light in darkness. Yes, sign me up. I'm all about it. I'm ready. Put me in coach, right? I hear you on that. I feel you on that. I also have been around long enough to know that sometimes in life, we just get beat down. I mean, it can be a ridiculously overworked work schedule. It can be uh, family problems. It can be a thousand different things. It can be someone who has mentally, physically even perhaps, been, you've been in an abusive relationship. When you're in a position like that where darkness is like a cloud over you, it can be really hard just to pick yourself up and be like, yeah, let me get out there and change the world and shine light. Like, you're, you're attacked by the darkness, right? So, so I very much see the spiritual warfare component of, of life where this is not as easy as like, yes, this is what I do. I'm going to go out there and get it done. All right, let's, ha- let's make it happen. But the only way to get out of that season of darkness, because God definitely doesn't want you to stay there, right? It's to get your eyes off of all of these other things that are going on, all this noise, all this oppression, all of these other things that people have said to you, done to you. Get your eyes off of that and turn your gaze and look to Christ. What do we just sing about? We just sing about how great our Lord is, right? We sing about how it's his power in us. Like, as soon as you start looking at what Jesus has done for you on the cross, and as soon as you start feeling his love for you, you transition away from looking at all these other things that are heavy and, and, and awful, and you look at the glorious future that you have with God. So the only way to really get out of this old mindset and get your eyes on, on Christ is to... Worship Christ, walk with Christ, and as you do that, you're going to be ready to work through Christ. And in these verses specifically, we're moving from the theme of sacrifice to the theme of service. So look at verses 3 through 8. This is our text, and read it along with me today in Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Great text. We have a lot to get into. But can you be honest with me for a second? Were any of you slightly let down with the way verse 3 started? Was that just a little bit of a a sucker punch to you? By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Was that a little humbling? (laughs) Or or have you already just like brushed that off really fast? I don't want to even think about that. We can't skip over that first line. You have to think with sober judgment. 
And the first point today that you must accept about the service for your Savior Jesus Christ, number one, is to be realistic about your own limitations. It's right there in verse 3. It's not about rushing out there and individually conquering the world. No one can do that alone. Now, some people are uber-talented. They can do a lot. Hats off to those people. They have been given a lot of an extra measure of talent and gifts from God. They have amazing capacity. Very talented. You know, we are all equal in God's eyes, right? Like God loves us all the same. We're all equal, but we're all different too. Not everybody is the same. Some people can actually do more. The other people who can't do maybe quite as much, maybe they, they speak specifically into certain situations, right? Like there's no, you don't have to compare yourself among, with other people. The Bible specifically says that is unwise, Find out who you are, be yourself, be confident in who Christ has made you to be, but just learn to discover your own gifts. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, there's a segment of our society that tells you, you can do whatever you set your mind to. You think about it, you want to be that, you Grit your teeth, clench your fist. You can make it happen with sheer hard work, right? I mean, do you hear that in the American culture? We do, right? We hear that a lot. And it sounds great. It's very motivational. But I'm sorry that I have, well, not even sorry, but sorry to burst your bubble. I'll, I'll say that. Let me, let's, let's, let's go back to verse 3 here. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Let's be realistic about this. Let's think with sober judgment. It's actually not loving to tell people that you can be anybody, you can do anything you want to do because that's not completely realistic. And you're setting them up for the wrong expectations that will lead them to hurt and failure and despair if you just constantly preach that alone. Are you listening to that, parents? (laughs) I mean, this really applies to anybody, but I, I was once, I, I want to be careful with the story, but I was once hired by a man who uh, hired me to replace his son, okay, at this job. And because I have this interesting dynamic where I had my superior, I had my boss who hired me, and I also was working with his son for a few weeks there as we transitioned in this role, I got to see this inner working dynamic between the father and the son, and and. My boss was great, like no problem with him at all, like really great guy. Loved working with him, did not love working with his son, okay? Even though his son was transitioning out, uh, I'll tell you why I didn't enjoy working with him. It's because he thought he was God's gift to the world, you know, to, to put it nicely. Like he loved to talk down and 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 just tell you everything that he thinks is the perfect way to do it. And of course, you can't do it right. And as I, as I witnessed this dynamic, okay, he wasn't really fun to work with. I was just counting down the days, all right? When I can actually do my job without you lording over my shoulder, that'll be great. But I also witnessed his dad, who was a great guy. The way he communicated with his son, it was pretty obvious. This kid has been told his whole life, you are the best. 
You are great at everything you do. You can do no wrong. And as, as the father constantly instilled that into his son, which in one sense, it's, you know, there's a good element to that, right? Any good thing you can take too far, this guy got a really big head and he was not fun to work with. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to fully lay the blame on the parent, but they certainly contributed to creating a know-it-all and not a very fun person to be around. So as parents, we do need to build up our kids. As, as owners of a business, build up your coworkers. As, as a student, build up your classmates. Yes, I'm not telling you to rain on someone's parade. I mean, sometimes the five foot seven guy does make the NBA, right? Like, it can happen. It's pretty rare, but it's happened. It's possible. So don't crush people. Don't pull people down. Let's just find some middle ground about this. Let's be realistic about um, who we are in your own limitations. Look again how Paul himself broached this topic. By the grace given to me. Paul was extremely talented. I, I would dare say... Paul was the smartest guy in the room of just about every room he walked into. He was brilliant. His mind was amazing. He had zeal. He had passion. He had a hunger for God's glory. He was actually one of the people who was the leading catalyst of turning the world upside down. We're still reaping the benefits of the Apostle Paul's ministry to this day. And here's his attitude. For the grace of God given to me. He knew, he realized that everything he had, everything he was, was a gift from God. A gift of grace. And that he didn't earn it and he didn't deserve it. Do you realize that about yourself? So be realistic about your own limitations and worship God. That should draw you to worship. No one can do it all. No one can fix all the problems. And the sooner you accept that, the easier you will breathe. <laughs> Life will be a lot easier. This isn't an easy concept for, for many of us because in our culture, we do have a rugged individualism culture in America. And you still need to be an independent thinker. You still need to think for yourself as long as you're walking with Christ. And as you do this, you will realize that you are stronger when you put yourself in, in a family and in a network of support with others. There's a reason why God created families, and there's reasons why we have structures like the church, because verses four and five lay out, you are better off, number two, when you find your place in the body. Look at those verses again, verse four. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Do you see the beautiful balance there? We are individuals. God has gifted you uniquely. You are one of a kind. You're a one of one. Okay? There is no one quite like you. God has a specific plan and purpose for you as an individual. He has given you your history, your story, your background, all of that. That's amazing. But he also has placed you collectively in a group of people that can support you and build you up. You can be better and you can be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. And right now we're in the context of the church. 
So you have to commit to that. You have to invest in that. And this also means that the church isn't just for you, right? Should you be fed at church? Absolutely. You, you, need to, you need to hear the word of God. You need to hear that truth. You need the Holy Spirit to convict your heart. You need, you need to actually have people that you can cry on their shoulders sometimes, right? Like you need all of those things from people and God's word. You need to be gathering together in that and commit to that. But there's more to it than just you being served and you being ministered to. As you grow deeper in your love for God and you see his grace and mercy, it has to motivate and inspire you to give back to others, to also minister to others. It's not just about receiving what you're receiving. Clearly right here, it's also about what you are sharing. You receive and you share. Think about it this way. Church isn't just a time for you to receive a blessing. It's an opportunity for you to be a blessing. It's both. Just your presence makes a difference. It makes a difference on Sunday morning. It makes a difference in community, at at life group midweek. It makes a difference on your serve team. Sometimes we have no idea how our words, our actions, our conversations will affect other people. But even your presence, even a simple, how are you doing, really? Honestly, tell me. A hug, a handshake, all those things add up and it will affect people. So yes, we gather because God told us to. Hebrews 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near, right? We've, we've heard that verse. You've heard that verse from a pastor a few times, Hebrews 10, 25. It's important to gather. But don't forget the verse right before this. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. As a matter of fact, you can see the sandwich there. You have in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 24, and 25... It says, stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's the the gathering is sandwiched around stirring other people up, pouring your gifts into other people, loving other people. You're looking ahead and you're looking forward together. The emphasis is that you're doing something for someone else, not just gathering for yourself. You're actually meeting for others. So when you come to church, you're not just a consumer. If that's you, you're just getting half the experience. The fullness of what God has for you is for you to serve and use your gifts. And I mean, we could park here all day, but our church really needs to add a kindergarten through second grade class for the kids. We need a fourth, fourth children's class. For, for the el- older elementary kids, that's a, that's a big necessity. Right now, we simply don't have enough volunteers in the kids' ministry to do that. I, I know the time will come eventually, but, but that's something that you need to pray about. Like, hey, where am I serving? Where is there a need? You know, what... What greater opportunity do you have to gather on Sunday morning to receive some fellowship and also to pour into the next generation, 
to teach them about the love that Jesus has for them. That's an incredible opportunity. We need more people to use their gifts to make that happen. There's always a place for a friendly, energetic person. There's also places for introverts too, okay? Like we're going to get into, we're not all the same. But, but just open your eyes and have the heart of how can I get the full experience of church? Part of that means I'm going to serve and use my gifts. If you're only taking in and you aren't giving back out, unfortunately, you're on the wrong path. And it's a place that will end in pride, which eventually ends in destruction or disinterest or apathy. And that's not what we want for you because that's not what God has for you. As you find your place in the body, as you walk with Christ, you will walk in love with one another. And look at verse 6 again with me. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Pretty straightforward. Let us use them. Number three is serve through Christ. So look at this list of gifts. I want to be honest. I, I love this kind of stuff myself. Um, I love the gift lists in Scripture. And to just nerd out for a second on this, you can put your Bible geek hat on with me for, for a minute. We're going to get deep. Um, we see four different lists of the, in the New Testament of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. And it's really easy to remember. These lists are in Romans 12, they're in 1 Corinthians 12, they're in Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. So if you can remember those, those two chapters, numbers, and those four books, you got it. None of the lists are the same. There's actually different, they all contain at least one or two different gifts in those lists, which suggests that none of these lists are exhaustive. They're all taking a slightly different angle. And you, when you look at the context of the passage, you can tell what angle they're taking. But just like some people can absolutely go crazy with personality tests, you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know, who, you know what that is? Maybe you're one of them. Some people can get wild with the spiritual gifts as well. And I've known people in the past who say, you know what, I can't do that. Uh, no thanks. I have the spiritual gift of administration. So I can't do that. <laughs> and I would say just check yourself here. Is that really the spirit of what's going on with the spiritual gift list? Uh, Jesus had all of these gifts, by the way, in the fullness of these gifts. So the more we become like Jesus the more you can develop and grow in all of these areas. And please never use an excuse like, I can't do that because that's not my spiritual gift. That's not the spirit of what this passage is teaching us. But at the same time, we are all unique individuals, right? We've clearly seen that in this text. And we are all predisposed to thrive in one area as opposed to another area. You know, at the... At the car dealership, right, like you have different types of people at the car dealership. You don't want to put your mechanic on the sales floor. You also don't want to put your accountant, your numbers crunching guy with his spreadsheets. You don't want to put him in the garage. And you don't want to put your salesman in the cubicle to crunch the numbers on the spreadsheets. All those people will not be fulfilling their fullest potential and they will be slightly annoyed, right? And it just won't, won't work as smoothly. Your, your business will suffer. 
So it's helpful to understand what your primary gift is and maybe even what your secondary gift is. Because I've seen over the years, growing up in church, a lot of people do make this either way more complicated than it needs to be or they don't put any emphasis on it at all. They kind of go one or two extremes. And they, almost, they can almost stress out over finding their spiritual gift and they turn it into another personality test. Yeah, Myers-Briggs, you got the Enneagram and you got your spiritual gifts assessment, right? Like it's, it's all one and the same. <laughs> now, full transparency, I am a sucker for those like personality tests. I know the Enneagram has some, some shady history and like you, you, can, you, I know you know what you know. I've heard it before too, but I still like it, okay? I still enjoy it. But here's all you really need to know. How do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Just start serving, okay? Be open and willing to serve where there's a need. If you take that approach... Your church leadership will always help you determine where, where you best fit and where those needs are. Like when you have the heart of, I need to step up. I want to help someone. I want to use the grace that God has given me. Like I'm so thrilled of what Christ has done in my life. Let me just share this with someone else. There's going to be no shortage of opportunity for a healthy church to plug you in to a great place where you can thrive. It's our job as elders and leaders of the church to equip you for the work of the ministry. So don't worry so much about what you can or cannot do. What's my, what's my spiritual gift? It'll become clear to you as you serve. As you get your hands dirty and get in the mix, it's going to reveal itself and become very obvious. When you have a heart to serve, you will never be left with your hands in the air wondering, what can I do? It's just not going to happen. Now with all that, you know, I know that this stuff is, is fascinating. The spiritual gifts, it is very interesting. And so we're going to go through these briefly, and we're going to take a spiritual gifts assessment test. This is for you individually. You know, pray, pray along with me as we go through this. But I just want to share what the Lord is laying out in this passage. The main thing about your faith is to worship Christ, to walk with Christ, and to work through Christ. And all you truly have to do is love God and love others. Step up where there's opportunities, where there's open doors, and it's going to shake itself out. So here's your framework. I'm going to put up a little graph for you. Uh, there's a lot there. But look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. It gives us a little insight into the different framework of some of these gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And when you take these different lists, you can see there are motivational gifts. That's a different word there in the Greek. That's in Romans 12, which is where we're at today. There are service gifts, like in the ministry, another different word, diakonon. That's in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And then there's another list of gifts. These are the workings, the manifestations. Uh, this is in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 11. But today, we get to go through the list of Romans 12, the motivational gifts. And uh, that's verse 6. Let us use them. So let's look through this together and find out. Let these gifts resonate with you. 
Um, jot some notes on this. The first gift that some of you in this body have is the gift of prophecy. And we talked about this not long ago when we were finishing up the First Thessalonians series. Prophecy is speaking a word of truth to someone to build them up. That's the simplest way you can describe it. It's when you get a strong prompting of the Holy Spirit to say something. Maybe it's advice. Maybe it's a verse of scripture. You probably didn't even plan on saying this, but in the moment, the Spirit stirred in your heart and you said it and you point them to Christ and you edify them. Here's a definition that Chip Ingram has for prophecy that I really like. And actually, for all of these gifts in this list, I'm going to give you a definition by Chip Ingram. Uh, he's done a lot of teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you're free to look that up yourself if you would like. But this is what he said. Prophecy is the divine enablement to proclaim God's truth with power and clarity in a timely and culturally sensitive fashion for correction, repentance, or edification. The ability to reveal God's word accurately. People with this gift ask, what went wrong? What caused this? Right? Like that's their, that's their go-to question. They're going to they're gonna like the lens where they look at things. Now, just like any gift, these gifts need practiced. They can be used awkwardly. Not everyone who has the gift of teaching knows how to just immediately step up and be the best teacher right away, right? Like you need to refine that and work the kinks out in that. It takes some time. But the gift of prophecy should be used in proportion to your faith. Here's the next one. The gift of service. Here's the Chip Ingram definition for you. I just, we'll, we'll go right into this one. The divine enablement to attach spiritual value to the accomplishment of physical tasks within the body of Christ. It's the ability to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs that releases other Christians for direct spiritual ministry. People with this gift ask, what can I do to help? We have a lot of people in our church with this gift. I have all these names floating in my head. I mean, the first one that pops in my mind is, is Scott Wyatt. Scott Wyatt has the gift of service, and a lot of you do. Scott built this cross over here like three summers ago at our first men's conference we ever had in the summer, and we're still using this. Like, he, he can work with wood. He can use his hands to build things. And I mean... I love people who have this gift. This is amazing. You know, you love to serve and just to accomplish tasks and to free other people up to do other things. That's great. Roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, serve people. That is a gift from God and praise God for that. The next one is teaching. The divine enablement to understand and give a detailed explanation of biblical truth. It's the ability to search out and validate truth which has been presented. People with this gift ask, what is truth? Where did you get that? Why? These are the teachers. And our church also has a lot of teachers. We have a lot of elementary teachers. We have a lot of homeschool moms. We have a lot of teachers in this church, and it's an amazing gift for our church. Fabulous teachers. When I was graduating from high school, my dad and my youth pastor both went to me separately and encouraged me to prepare for the ministry. I wasn't planning on doing that. But after both of them just said, David, you should pray about it, you should consider it, I think you have the gift for that, I took that seriously. I've learned a lot since then. I still have a lot of room to grow, but, but I think God's given me the gift to teach, and I'm thankful for that. It's a rewarding gift. 
Don't ignore that if you have that. If, if people in your life are pointing you in that direction, then, then listen, take heed. Amen. The next one is exhortation. The divine enablement to come alongside another in need of encouragement, to reassure them, to strengthen, affirm, and challenge those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. It's the ability to stimulate the faith of others. And people with this gift ask, what must be done to fix this? How can we move to wholeness? Exhortation is a very, very valuable gift. It's one of the most needed gifts in the body. I dare say there's a lot of people who have the gift of exhortation in the church who aren't confident enough to exercise this gift. And it's felt when it's lacking. You, you notice the down and outer. You are sympathetic to the outcast. You can tell when someone is off. If that is you, you probably have the gift of exhortation. And don't just think you only have one gift either, okay? God gives us a variety of gifts, right? We have probably a primary. We have probably a secondary. But you exhort them. That's, that's building someone up. You encourage them and you strengthen them. You pull them out of the pit and you lift their spirits. Maybe it's with a joke. Maybe it's with just a kind word, a compliment. This is valuable in the body of Christ. Exhortation is needed. And here's the thing. If you're not in community and you're not putting yourself out there, committing to fellowship, engaging with others, you're not going to be able to exercise this gift. And you're not going to be able to receive this gift either. Because if they don't know you, it's a little weird to just come up and just start encouraging you, right? Like, well, you have no context. You don't know them. So this requires you to be in fellowship with one another. If you never ask questions, though, if all you're doing is coming to someone and talking about yourself and you never ask any questions and your conversations always work back to you and what happened to you, you're probably not exhorting people. You're, you're, you're not making other people more confident and assured in their relationship with Christ. Next one is generosity. The divine enablement to earn money, manage it well and wisely, to contribute to the work of the Lord with cheerfulness and, and, and do it liberally, right? Like freely, fully, like let it flow. It's the ability to entrust personal assets to others for the furtherance of their ministry. People with this gift ask, what can I give to meet the need? Wouldn't we all like to have the gift of generosity, the gift of uh, making money? <laughs> Whatever you touch turns to gold, right? Like that would be great. Like I'd love that. God, if I just had the gift of, of generosity, I would be able to tithe to church. It's not quite how it works, Right? Because when you're faithful in what is little, God will gradually increase that and you will be faithful in much. So our prayer doesn't need to be, God, please give me the gift of making money and then I will give to church. <laughs> no, again, we can't, we can't play that card of if that's my spiritual gift or that's not my spiritual gift. Clearly, you don't have to make a lot of money to have the gift of generosity, necessarily. If you are generous, I, I can pretty much guarantee God will bless you. He will reward you, and you will then have the money to bless others with. We are all called, though, to give 
generously. And if you're not giving generously, you're missing out. You're missing out on the fullness of what God has for you in the church body experience. This isn't a give to get, give to get sort of thing either. I'm just simply saying, I don't want you to miss out on the enjoyment and the, and the absolute joy and freedom of like blessing someone else and freeing them up to serve. It's rewarding and it feels amazing. So please don't rob yourself of that blessing. Two more here, and then we'll wrap this up. But leadership is the next one. It's the divine enablement to see what needs to be done, set goals, and attract and lead and motivate people to accomplish the work of the ministry. It's the ability to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of common goals. People with this gift ask, where's the goal? How do we need to get there? Let's make it happen. Who can I get? Who can I equip? Who can I put into place? How can I organize this better? That's the gift of leadership. The gift of mercy is the divine enablement to minister cheerfully and appropriately to people who are suffering or undeserving and to spare them from punishment or consequences that they justly deserve. It's the ability to identify with, with and comfort those who are in distress. People with the gift of mercy ask, how can I make them feel better? The church needs all of these. And you know, I believe a healthy church is going to have all seven of these things in action, in motion, consistently. And this is another reason why I don't think these are all completely black and white and just cut as cut and dry as you may think. There could be a season where there's a huge hole in maybe the, the gift of mercy or the gift of exhortation and, and someone who maybe has more like the gift of administration or leadership, like they fill that role, they step in and God, the Holy Spirit is gonna give them an extra portion of that gift in that moment to fill that need, right? A healthy body of Christ, you're fire, and firing on all cylinders. Sometimes people overcompensate and step in and, and fill in where they need to. They can't do that forever though, which is why you have to have everyone actually aligned with what has God gifted me in? Where does God have me? Uh, but these gifts of service are important. The, all of these gifts are so vital. It's loving your neighbor. It's working through Christ. That's a beautiful body of the, ch the church body. It's, it's a beautiful thing of the church body. We are a collection of individuals who come together for something bigger than ourselves. Think about it this way. <laughs> You gather to receive truth and to be blessed. You also gather to share your gifts and to be a blessing. You do both. Worship team, you can come up right here. Julie was talking with a friend this, this week, and, and uh, the conversation kind of progressed, and there's this lady who's been in the ministry for about 40 years, close to, close to 40 years. And she's worked very closely with a lot of different couples in the ministry, ministry leaders, youth pastors, people who work at Christian camps, pastors, pastors' wives. And this, this older lady who's been in the ministry for all these years, who's talked with so many of these, these pastors and their wives, said 
that she sees so often when a pastor and their wife get to like age 40, they are just mentally and emotionally exhausted. They're just worn down. She sees it, she sees it happening all the time. And we have to step back as a church and analyze, like, how does something like that happen? Like, well, for one, it's pretty easy to see where that starts, right? Because if you're a ministry leader, if, if, you, if you love people and care for people, you're pouring out. You're using your gifts. You lead a life group. You host a life group. Like, you know, you're leading a youth ministry. Like, all of these different things you can do. Like, you're pouring out to people. They have problems. They dump those problems on you. And it's a, sometimes it can be a lot to carry, Right? But what can happen in that, in that equation where it's all starting out with the right, the right motives? Like the leader wants to serve. The person needs, needs, need, has a need. <laughs> they need help, right? But if we're not careful, you can miss the fact that even leaders are human people with their own limitations who also need to be exhorted and poured into, who also need to receive mercy. It's not just all the people with needs that need the serving, right? It's even the people who are out in the front, who are kind of leading. They need that support as well. Church isn't just a time for you to receive a blessing. It's an opportunity to be a blessing. So no matter who it is, view that person as someone who has needs. And don't allow that person to carry more weight than they should. And that goes for every single one of us. Every single one of you has the power to build up others with your words and with your actions. Because if it's just words and the actions don't match the words, those words will ring hollow, right? If you have a desire to do something, hey, maybe talk about it, share it. Like, encourage someone with with a blessing that you have received from them. And moving forward, as our church grows and we, have, and we mature in this truth, we have to understand where this is coming from, right? Understand your spiritual personality profile. That will be so helpful to be in tune to the needs of others, to be aware of how your presence and your background can edify and exhort others. But for our church to have a greater impact in this community and beyond to the uttermost parts of the earth, we have to share the truth of Jesus Christ and we have to simply shine light into darkness. We we have to do that by being blown away by the grace of God that has been given to us. There is no other way to do that sustaining, to sustain that. If it's in your own strength, it's going to falter. So the only way to really truly use your gifts to serve one another is to look at what God has done for you in Jesus Christ on the cross. You have received grace. You have received mercy. So now I'm going to move forward with zeal, with with cheerfulness. I'm going to give sacrificially. I'm going to give joyfully. Because God has given me everything. He's given me life. He's given me hope. He's given me confidence. And now I'm a steward of his abundant grace upon grace.
Thanks for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.